Okay, so with regard to the sermon, as you know, we've been on our series about one another. This is a phrase that is used um, consistently and repeatedly in Scripture. Bless one another, encourage one another, love one another. And so today we're on our second to the last uh, in our series, and we want to run this video now in which Andre, who is back there, one of our sound techs, uh, is called out Caleb, who was also one of our sound techs. And Caleb, are you here today? He's online. All right, well, wave to Caleb. Okay, so let's roll the video here. Hello, Five Sons. I'm Andre, and today I'm really happy to call out Caleb. When I was in Brazil, I used to serve in the sound team of my church, and I really liked doing it there. And moving here and becoming a member of Five Sons, I had a desire to serve in this ministry as well. I mentioned to Mimi and she introduced me to Caleb and then uh, Caleb started to uh, explain to me and show me how the system worked here during the Wednesday practice. In the beginning I was really nervous because I realized that a lot of things were different and I told Caleb that and I told that I wasn't confident about serving alone in the Sunday and Caleb was very patient and he helped me a lot to get more confidence. Uh, one day we were talking about cables and we were, I was to, telling him how I used to call that cables in Brazil and we realized that it um, wasn't only a translation to English, but the names were different and that was interesting for us. And one thing was really nice, we were setting up the stage and then Caleb asked for a cable, but instead of uh, saying the name that he used to know here, he called by the Brazilian name and was uh, like, I felt very welcome in the team. One thing, uh, he was always available to answer my questions and uh, always giving tips and advice how to make things better and he was always there with me and when I got the confidence to um, serve alone I was very happy and thankful for Caleb for his help and yeah I remember uh, he sent me some text with encouragements and saying that it was good to have me in the team or um, that that stream sounded good and I felt very happy and um, yeah, blessed to be part of the team. So yeah, I just want to say thanks to Caleb and everything he's has been doing for me uh, to help me be able to serve 
and get better every day and I wouldn't be able to serve today without his um, help and support. Thank you very much. God bless you. Hi, Five Stones Church. Um, this is Caleb. Um, Andre, thank you for, for the shout out um, for the One Another series. Um, I feel very honored to be called out. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Uh, honestly, having you a part of the sound team has been an answer to prayer. Um, actually, in the past, there was a long season where I was one, if not the only sound man at times, um, just doing sound. Not to say that it was an issue with me because I really enjoy doing sound. <laughs> But it was always great to have somebody else to do with and to teach as well. And I know for for me, just having you on the team, like you've been, it's really great having you on the team because you always have such an optimistic outlook on life. You're very kind. You're very respectful. Um, you're always smiling and that always encourages me. Um, yeah, you've just been a really big blessing. And even, I know that you've mentioned that like, you haven't felt confident at times, but I did see that you do have a good foundation that you started off with. Um, so when I was helping you, it was just a matter of just a few refinements here and there. In addition to that, I do recognize like, I remember talking to you and you showed me pictures of the sound stage that are, the sound booth that you made in Brazil and like all the compartments that you had, like the sliding out compartments, um, the cable management that you did. And I was very, very impressed because I do not have any kind of like carpentry skills at that. Um, and the fact that you built a lot of the cables yourself and all that stuff, I'm like, man, these are things that like I, I that's beyond me. So, like, I tip my hat to you in that regard. Um, no, I, you've been just a really big blessing um, overall, and I've been very, very blessed to, to just to go alongside you in your journey. And I'm, I'm actually really grateful that um, just even the little bit of kindness that I've been able to show you that uh, that's been, really impacted you and helped build confidence for you. And I'm, I guess there is. Looking back at my my history and my life, um, there's been people who have treated me the same. Um, there's a man from my church back, uh, well, I'm technically back home in Saskatchewan for a wedding, but there was a man from my church, uh, Mr. Drake. He was the one who kind of shadowed me and taught me when I knew absolutely nothing. Like, I didn't even know what the fader did. Like, he was like, hey, move that thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, good job. And I was like, oh, thanks. So, like, it's just great to see that, like, we as a church family can help one another and build each other up and just to to encourage one another and it, it's cool that like even just the fact that you're brazilian and you're coming to canada um i know it's like i'm only i only moved from saskatchewan and i, I was raised by immigrants so i have this bit of experience where just there's the cultural differences and you see all the little nuances in, in culture um and just with the culture that you're in now and like versus where you come from so um, like there's a part of me that really empathizes with that because I've observed it and like just my personal life experience uh, just yeah being sensitive to that, to that is something that I find important and I actually genuinely like hearing about people's different cultures and different words I think I remember talking to you about when I was in film school that there was a group of people who um, they're all from South America found out that each different country had a different word for popcorn um, which was really cool, like, even that they didn't all know that together. So it's cool that we, that there's so much variation in the world and what God creates and who God makes in different people groups and the cultures that we can all share those little nuances together and just like, oh, that's surprising and new. So, Andre, once again, I just want to say uh, thank you for, 
thank you for joining the sound team. You've been a very big blessing to me. Um, just, yeah, your kindness, your, your receptiveness. Uh, you're a good learner as well. Um, you, you take instruction well, too, and that's something that I really, really appreciate. So, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Andre and Caleb. That was a very touching and personal video. You know, I remember when Andre first came to Five Stones, he and Carol, over a year ago, and how self-conscious they were about speaking English. And, of course, that's one of the big things that you transition into as an immigrant. And so I know that Andre really, really appreciates Caleb to be able to put himself on video and to speak English. So props to you, Andre. Really uh, appreciate that. And then you just have to love Caleb filming himself in the back of a van. <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate like soundproofing environment, right? It's got great windows. It's got great lighting. And um, good job, Caleb. You were very, very creative. So from these two testimonies, I want to share from Romans chapter 15, verse 7. And the scripture there says, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us for the glory of God. And I want to speak to this theme this morning about accepting one another. And Lord, we are so grateful to be together as a family of God, but most of all that you are our Lord and Savior, that you are here with us, and Lord, you are our teacher. So Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts as we look into the word that you wrote for us, that eternal witness of your wisdom, we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, being from Brazil, uh, Andre's testimony gave us an extra layer of vulnerability that really accentuates our idea of accepting one another. When you're an immigrant or a foreigner or holding alien status, as our laws would say it, uh, there's a heightened sense of, do I belong? Will I belong? Will I be accepted? And we heard Andre talk about just being very nervous Things were different, wasn't confident in things. And these are very real feelings, and they speak deeply to our human need to feel safe and included. Uh, this is the predicament anyone on the outside of a community experiences when they're looking in. Whether you're joining a new sports team, starting a job at a new company, or joining a church. The feeling of, will I be accepted, is the most important question that we carry into a situation. No one wants to be rejected. We all want to fit, fit in. And being rejected is one of the most painful, if not the most painful feeling that we can experience. What was the most excruciating moment in Jesus' life? It was when he was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment, there was that divine rejection because the sin in the world that was placed upon him and God the Father had to turn his back on Jesus and he felt that utter rejection. It was devastating. That's why when we see incidences of bullying and racism, it's toxic and it's destructive. Those are virulent forms of rejection. You get on the bus and someone moves away because they don't want to sit next to you. Or you walk into a restaurant and they look the other way and don't want to serve you. Remember one time our family was taking a vacation in Europe. This was several years back. I won't call out the country. 
but our family was excited to get to this hotel. We wanted to relax, so we all got into our swimsuits, went down to the hotel swimming pool, and there was no one in the pool except these two older folks, and they were sitting kind of off into the side, and my kids, we were all excited. We jumped in, but the moment we got in, I looked across the water. You could just see this glare coming across their face, like, who are these people? This was like an Asian invasion, and they didn't like it. But there was that distinct feeling of, we don't want you here, we don't like you. You know, God created us to be loved and accepted. We were not created to be neglected or shunned. In fact, this is what made Jesus so attractive to the multitudes. No matter who they were, where they came from, what their background was, what their history was, they felt attracted to him because of the acceptance that was inside of him. His love drove the multitudes to him. They were like moths to a flame. They couldn't stay away. They couldn't help themselves. That's how powerful his acceptance was. Ask Mary, who had seven demons cast out of her. Ask Nathaniel, who was doubtful whether anything good could come out of Nazareth. Ask the ten lepers that were healed. Ask the demoniac who lived in the cemetery. These people all had things in their life that made them feel rejected to the extreme. And yet when they came into the presence of Jesus, something melted away. Something said, you are worth, of worth, and I love you. Being accepted changes our lives. And this morning, I want us to see something powerful regarding acceptance. That Jesus' ability to accept people was based on the Jewish upbringing and the law that he came from. We may not be aware of this, but in the Old Testament, God set up the most powerful system of acceptance ever established in a country. God had explicit rules and regulations of how to treat foreigners when they came to live among the Jews. I want to take us through a series of verses here and read them to you. The first one comes from Leviticus 19. Remember, God is speaking to the nation of Israel. He says to them, The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You mean the Gentiles, the people that don't observe our Sabbath, those people that aren't circumcised, those people that eat unclean foods, those people that are different from us, we're supposed to treat them like natives and to love them as ourselves? It's exactly what this verse says. No difference, no bias is allowed. Deuteronomy 10, 17 to 19. The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. The great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality. Nor take a bribe. He executes justice for the orphan, the widow, and shows his love for who? The alien. By giving him food and clothing. So show your love for the alien. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. No partiality is allowed. In Malachi chapter 3, God says to the prophet, I will draw near to you for judgment. Okay, ears up. What's God going to say? I'm going to come close to you and judge you. And then we read what this is about. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. Okay, we get that. Against the adulterers. Okay, we get that. 
against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earners in his wages, the widow, the orphan, and those who turn the alien aside. And do not fear me, says the Lord. You think this is a priority for God? It absolutely. And he was establishing that in the heart of his people. God was watching out for the aliens. In Leviticus chapter 23, 22, based on what he was saying to the Jewish people, it says, when you reap the harvest of the land, moreover, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field. Don't go to the very edges and grab every little bit of it, nor gather the gleaning of your harvest. You are to leave them for the needy and the alien. Allow some of your supply and some of your abundance to go out to those who can't gather for themselves. In Leviticus 25, the Lord echoes the same theme. Your harvests after growth you shall not reap. Your harvests after growth you shall not reap. And your grapes of untrimmed vines you shall not gather. The land shall have a sabbatical year. All of you shall have the Sabbath products of the land for food, yourself and your male and female slaves and your hired man and your foreign resident, those who live as aliens within you. Don't optimize your business. Don't completely go to the edge and reap it all because you see dollar signs in them. No, don't do that. Leave them for the aliens and the foreigners. Deuteronomy 24, he tells them, Unequivocally, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land, in your towns. You know what? In Israel, there's no need for unions because God taught those who are employers to treat the worker well, to not oppress them, to not take advantage of them, to not squeeze more productivity out of them. They didn't have to have unions because God was already putting the pressure on those who were employers to not oppress their workers. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 16, I charged your judges, the people in high offices, and those who were of the legislative legal branch, saying, hear the cases between your fellow countrymen and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countryman or the alien who is with him. We're talking about equal justice, equal access to the courts. You shall not say, oh, that person's from another country. Well, we'll cut some slack. God was very clear. For you that are in the judicial system, you have to judge righteously. No systemic bias. Deuteronomy 24. You shall not pervert the justice due to an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. Numbers 35, 15. This, these six cities shall be refuge for the sons of Israel and for the alien, for the sojourner among you, that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there. So the way the judicial system was set up in Israel was there were six cities of sanctuary. And if you committed a crime and there was a period in which it needed to be found out if you were actually guilty or not, you could go to one of these sanctuary cities. They would then gather the facts and make a judgment. And God was saying, if there's an alien that has done that, he has equal access to protection. He has equal access to being protected. And so he can flee to these sanctuary cities and you can't say to them, nope, you're not from Israel. You don't get these privileges. You're not a citizen. 
That's not what God said. They get equal protection and those cities of refuge were for them. It goes even further. Ezekiel 47. Aliens get land rights. They're not, they're included. You shall divide it by law for inheritance among yourselves and among the aliens who stay in, stay in your midst, who bring forth sons in your midst, and they shall be to you as the native born, as the native born. You get the same property rights among the sons of Israel. They shall be allotted an inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. And then this description about Job, who was the most righteous man on the face of the earth at the time of his living. Job said, the alien has not lodged outside, for I've opened my doors to the traveler. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't pretend you didn't see them. Don't pretend that you're not aware of their plight. Job said, I've allowed the foreigner to come in, the stranger. I've lodged them. I've hosted them. I've opened my doors to the traveler, consistent with God's heart. And then in Jeremiah chapter 7, speaks to us of what God expects of his covenant community. God says to them, if you truly amend your ways and your needs, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. God is saying, a sign of my approval is the way that you treat other people. I've given you the commandment to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you do this, my favor will be upon you as a nation. My favor will be upon you as a community. My presence will abide there. You know, if every country in the world studied just these scriptures, can you imagine the reformation that would occur in society in terms of racism, bias, all the difficulties that we're walking through? And I think that these truths have been buried when we've been reading the Old Testament to realize this was God's heart. We see here how deeply God cares for the outsider, how he made sure his covenant people established a culture of acceptance. And maybe you're seeing this side of God for the first time. But God is the biggest advocate of systemic acceptance and the biggest opponent of systemic rejection, of which racism is a cousin. Now, unfortunately, through the ills and many times reprehensible behavior of the church, we have not accepted people. Rather, we've rejected them and kept them out. And we can reject people not just because of the color of their skin or their ethnicity, but because of other things like their physical looks, their economic standing, their personality, how they dress and how they talk and how they act. This is very hurtful and damaging. During the boomer years in the United States, there was a saying that Sunday morning was the most segregated hour of the week. How can this be? The place where there should be greatest unity, how could it be the greatest segregated time where the blacks were in their churches and the whites were in their churches and the Hispanics were in their churches? What happened to the Great Commission where God says, go into all the nations. I love all the nations and make disciples. What happened to the multicultural leadership team that we see modeled to us in Antioch, 
In Acts chapter 13, Niger was a black, Lucius was a Roman, Paul was a Hebrew scholar, Mannion was politically connected, and Barnabas was a Levite. Is that diversity or what? It is diversity. And it's given to us right here. The pattern is given to us right here in Scripture. Eternity is going to be populated with every tribe, tongue, and nation. But our historical witness as a church has obscured the system of acceptance that God has given to us from the very beginning. God's care for aliens and immigrants and foreigners, it's mind-blowing stuff. Is this not mind-blowing stuff? The first faith community, the Jewish covenant community, is the most human, compassionate society around. God said, no discrimination, no systemic bias. And the message to us as a church is crystal clear. We are God's faith community. We are to be God's model of acceptance. This should be a place of sanctuary. This should be a place where people run to and begin to experience something that they haven't experienced out there. Galatians chapter 3 says that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's a unity and we must accept one another. Well, this brings us back to Caleb. How did Caleb encourage Andre so deeply? How did Caleb show love and acceptance? Number one, he possessed the empathy of an alien. He said that, He had moved from Saskatchewan, from the prairies to the West Coast. You know, we've talked to a lot of people that move from the middle part of the country in, and it's an adjustment. City life is different compared to the prairies and further out towards the east. It's a big cultural shift. And Caleb understood that, even within Canada itself. But he said that he was raised by immigrants, so he knew the feelings that was running through Andre's heart. He knew the sense of vulnerability because Caleb himself had felt it. Why did God tell the Jews consistently, remember that you were aliens in Egypt? This was to drive identification with the aliens and to recall what they had gone through so that the empathy would bubble up inside of them. Think back to the first time you walked into a church or were were looking for a church to attend. It's not easy. They're nervous feelings. What will it feel like? How will the people be? I thank God for so many of you that have welcomed new people into our midst. Your greeting, your smile, your conversation, your interest is so important to making someone feel at home. It's what Jesus would do. Empathy is acting on the other person's feelings, not yours. Caleb also recalled the times of kindness that was shown to him. As he said in the video, Mr. Drake treated me with kindness when I knew absolutely nothing about a soundboard. As a result, Caleb passed on that same kindness to Andre. Kindness begets kindness. If we return a like spirit, that only fuels that cycle. Violence begets violence. Trying to gun down someone else because you've been gunned down is only going to repeat that cycle. But kingdom kindness begets more kindness. And that's the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. We also see that Caleb showed acceptance over a sustained period 
not just a one-off moment. It was genuine. It was real. Caleb would text Andre when he did a good job. He verbalized his approval to Andre. He said, good to have you on the team. Sustained care and acceptance is so important that you're not just courteous, you're just not nice for the moment, but that you genuinely are interested in the welfare of someone. And now Andre was ready to do, and he is serving on his own. Caleb's not here because of Andre's inve- Caleb's investment in Andre. That inclusion validated Andre and empowered him to serve. And then, of course, Caleb spoke the word cable in Andre's language. That was a small gesture, but one of the most important things that Caleb did. It meant so much to Andre. It meant, you understand me. You know where I come from. And the result was, as Andre said, I felt so happy. And Caleb made me get better every day. Can you have better proof of the power of acceptance than when someone says, I feel so happy? You know what? It's okay to feel happy. It's okay for Christians to be happy. It's okay to be joyous. We're so used to melancholy and heaviness and sorrow and difficulty. It's okay to be joyful in Jesus. Let's break off that cloak that comes on us. And so Andre said, I feel happy. That's the power of acceptance. When you welcome someone, they feel happy. And that's what we're called to do is to ignite confidence and joy and service through welcoming and to help each other get better every day, which is what Andre said. You know, we all can see that there's an epidemic of self-loathing and self-rejection in our society. It's one of the things that gets me and saddens me, and grieves me so much. I'm so pained to see the destruction that people experience, particularly this young generation. The devil truly does come to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you want proof that the devil exists? Look at your peers. Look at what's going on in society. Is that God's best? People blame God. Oh, why does God allow this to happen? You know what? That's the darkness inside That's causing all that to happen. We cannot be our best self if we don't accept ourselves. We can't get better every single day, like Andre said, unless we accept ourselves. So we need external help. We need external power. We need someone outside ourselves to accept us so that we can break through our own darkness. Think about all the times Jesus reached into someone's life whether it was the demoniac, whether it was the leper, whether it was all those people that were rejected, he reached into their life. They needed external power and anointing to break the yoke, and then they came out of their prison. Acceptance brings healing. Ministers worth, it validates, it dignifies, it honors, it lifts people up from the dirt, and it gives people back their humanity. The Bible says that Jesus was the son of man and the son of God. Part of the miracle of Jesus is that he was fully human and he was fully divine. And somehow in Christianity, through religion, we can get it mixed up and we can despise the human side of things in the name of spirituality or in the name of religion. But God is the one that made us human. He honors and dignifies our humanity. Now, it doesn't give us excuse to sin, 
but he knows that we're made of clay and that the glory dwells in clay vessels. That's why he's drawn to the poor. That's why he's drawn to the broken. That's why he's drawn to the lowly. Because he comes and he sees their humanity and he wants to lift them up from their demise. The little gestures matter. Smile, squeeze of the hand, a welcome, a hug, verbalizing your delight in someone, complimenting them, intentional gestures. Just this week, one of the maps invited me to go on a 100-kilometer bike ride with some of the other men in the church. Knowing full well that I could not do it during the day because I actually still work. But you know what? It felt good to be included. Saying cable in Portuguese meant so much. And if you think about it, acceptance is actually a form of adoption. That's what makes it so powerful. You're one of us. You're part of this family. You're part of this team. You're part of this community. You are us. And belonging is what every soul needs. This is why when God gives us a spirit of adoption at salvation, when you get saved, that spirit of adoption comes upon you, and God says, you are mine, signed, sealed, and delivered by Calvary. Nothing can take you out of the palm of my hand. We need that assurance because our human experience does not reinforce that assurance. We think that God's love is like human love. It comes and goes. It's conditional. You do bad, and I don't like you anymore. That's not how God's love works. When the spirit of Dashin comes, there is a legal finality. You are his. And that makes you and me feel good because we're accepted and we are treasured in the heart of God. You know, there's so much discussion about the doctrine of hell and how can God send people to hell? How can a good and loving God send people to hell? God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He went to the cross so that you don't have to go to hell. There are many detours on the road to hell. In other words, there's many exit ramps that you can get off because God has created them for you because he doesn't want you to go there. He loves you. He accepts you. We are treasured. So when God tells us to accept one another, he's telling us to be like him, to convey the same care and love and concern that he shows us. So here's our challenge this morning. Take a moment and examine yourself in your past actions. How good are you at accepting people? Have there there been times where you have rejected someone Has there been time where you've shut people out subtly or overtly? Maybe even been racist. Do you need to right some wrongs? Do you need to ask someone forgiveness? Do you need to make something right between you and a brother or sister in this church? Conversely, if you're good at accepting people, spread the love all the more making our community even stronger and better, inspiring others to do the same. If I'm dead honest, there are so many of you that I am proud of. You have touched me with your love for people, reaching out, showing care, showing how you remember them, 
You know what it means to include, accept, and bring people into the family of God. It's just awesome. Let me read this verse as we close in prayer. It's the verses, the preamble to verse 7, which I quoted. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice, not multiple, not segregated voice, one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another as Christ has accepted you for the glory of God. So God, we come before you right now. pray, God, that you would help us to just examine our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would just illumine the things that we need to see. If we have a a wrong that needs to be righted, if there's some attitudes that have surfaced through this message and we need to ask your forgiveness and to cleanse our heart and to cleanse our attitudes, then ask the Lord to do that right now and turn from those. And ask God to fill you with his spirit of acceptance. To fill you with those actionables as we saw in the Old Testament. How we're to treat the outsider, the foreigner, those who are not part of our community as yet. Lord, we ask for a wave of your love to sweep over us. That you would deepen our acceptance and care one for another. Let our church and the church in this city, Father God, be a shining example that those who need healing, those who need a touch from you can come into the church and find that refuge. We give you thanks this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. What an encouragement that accepting one another has, I feel it's so appropriate for our political climate for today. I mean, we're, we're, we're put in a place over this last year since pandemic happened and over in the news, we're bombarded with all these things that causes us to think about who we are. There's so many things that are out there that, that, we're, that are coming out. And I believe God's bringing a lot of these things out, these systemic, systemic issues that are coming out in terms of racism, in terms of, of anti this, anti that, all of these things. I believe God is bringing these things out because he wants the church to be at the forefront of how do we deal with these things. And in scripture today, we learn that, that the key to do all of these things is to accept one another the way that he accepted us. Why? For his glory. That's what it's about. Everything that we do is for his glory. Everything that we are is for his glory. To accept one another, I want you guys to think deep. Go deep. I, I mean, it's uncomfortable. I know that everything that, that our political situation has brought up right now is very uncomfortable. We're, we're, we're not used to living this way where we're constantly thinking about what we're doing, who our neighbors are what the people beside us are, 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 are preaching, how we're treating one another. It's uncomfortable. But it's important for us to be uncomfortable because when we're uncomfortable, we need to go to God to find comfort in these places. We need to go to God and go to the Bible and find what are the answers for us to, to, to tackle some of these things.
We have things like Black Lives Matter. We have things like residential schooling. We have things like the anti-Asian sentiments that are out there. Uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about race. We, want to, we don't want to talk about systemic issues. Because that means we have to change the way that we live. But here's the thing is God died on the cross for you so that your life can change. So that your life can be transformed. What what are we transforming to? We're transforming to be more like him and to receive more of his spirit and to receive more of his heart. To challenge these things are good. Why? Because sometimes the things that are in place are not good. So dig deep. I encourage you guys to dig deep, to have those hard conversations. But to have those hard conversations so that we learn to be more like Jesus, so that we learn to portray more of God's heart, so that we learn to show His glory. That's why we do it. Can we do that as a church? Can we have those conversations here at the church? Can we encourage each other to accept each other in a way that, I mean, we're all aliens in some form. All of us, every single one of us, we're all aliens. And so therefore, we need to treat every single one of us, each other, in that same manner as we have heard today, to accept one another. What a great challenge. What a great place for us to be able to start these conversations because these conversations are gospel conversations. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. That as we look at our community, that we represent your heart in terms of what you have for community. So, Father God, we just pray, Lord, that as we look at our own lives and the way that we behave and the way that we've, we've, we've talked and the way that, that, that in the position that we stand in, Lord, may we take all of that aside and may we gain your heart in how we are to live, your heart in how we are to respond, your heart in terms of who we are as your church. So, Father God, we just pray, Lord, may you give us your spirit and may you give us your humility and may you give us your, your ways and how we are to accept one another as you have commanded us to do. So, Lord, we love you. We give all praise and honor to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, church. We'll see you guys next week.